Wow. What a great gift to be with you. Um, this is my second time uh, being with you in this season. I'm so glad to be here with you. Um, my wife, Sophia, had a competing ministry commitment. Otherwise, she would have been with me, but she wanted me to send your, her greetings to you. Um, what an incredible gift. You know, the last time, the last time I was here, um, I left with a testimony to tell my friend, uh, my friend who grew up in, in the tradition very similar to this, to this tradition and has been disillusioned somewhat with the church. And I said, let me tell you a story about what God did in, in Community Bible Church in Austin, New York. Let me tell you about how I experienced the living God. And uh, it was an incredible gift of encouragement to him. It was an incredible gift of encouragement to me to watch the way you, you are the church together. And so I know last week you were talking about being the church. Uh, and, and I want to say, I want to add my testimony that from my perspective, you are the church. You are the church and you are being the church and God is at work in you and it is beautiful and it is good. And let's praise the Lord together. Let's praise the Lord together for his goodness. Um, I want to talk about prayer this morning from Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to share some reflections on, on prayer. It, it's probably helpful for you to have this text in front of you because it's one long sentence. And one long sentence is really hard to read, uh, but we're going to refer to it. Over, we're going we're gonna to be looking at this. This is a way that Paul prays for the church. And if we want to learn how to pray, if we want to we join in the prayers of the church, this is a great, great place to start. You know, I've been reflecting a lot on prayer, and I, I don't know if this is true of you, but I know this is true of a lot of people. A lot of people uh, approach prayer in a particular way. I was trying to think of what's a good image uh, for how a lot of us approach prayer. And I, I suddenly had this feeling of dread in my, in my stomach that I remember very acutely. I remember this feeling of dread as I looked up and I saw a climbing rope hanging from the gymnasium ceiling. Because today, our class was going to compete for the presidential fitness awards. Has any, you remember this? Okay, maybe it's people of a certain, I don't even know if we do the presidential fitness awards anymore, but back in that day, the day we did, and we were all going to climb this rope. And uh, cheers and jeers from all the kids as people grabbed and grappled up this rope. By the time it was my turn, uh, the rope was slick from the perspiration of all the hands of the kids that tried to struggle up the rope. And I would imagine if you remember those days, I know a couple of us did, uh, and you ever encountered a rope like that, especially if you weren't prepared, uh, you might have thought, I don't want to climb this rope. <laughs> I don't know how to climb this rope. I'm not strong enough to climb this rope. And here's what I notice. I notice that that's how a lot of us think about prayer. I, 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 don't, I don't know how to pray like maybe I should. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not spiritually strong enough to pray maybe like I should. 
Or, or, or maybe I, I even struggle to be motivated to pray. Maybe I don't even want to pray like I think I should. The other reason I think of a climbing rope as this image is because one of the places where we do pray is where we feel stretched. You ever feel stretched? If you're stretched between the life that you, you long for and the life that you have, stretched between your longing for hope and, and justice and healing and freedom and stability and all the things and, and the life that you're experiencing right now. And when we're in that place where we're stretched, we feel like we're extended between heaven and earth in some way. We, we, we sort of, we, we know we should pray. And, um, and so I want to talk about prayer this morning. Uh, here's, here's what I believe about this passage. I believe this passage changes why we pray. It changes how, what we pray, and it changes how we pray. And I think it, it shows us that prayer goes from grasping to uh, giving when we recognize, when we rest in the generosity of God. Now, uh, so let's, let's talk about why we pray. I think prayer is, is a basic human practice. It's essential to our humanity. Human beings pray like we breathe. We don't maybe always recognize it, but we do. Let me give you an example. Uh, atheist apologist Sam Harris prays. Uh, in fact, he encourages other people to pray. He practices a Tibetan form of prayer uh, called Dzogchen. It's, it's an atheistic form of prayer, but, but he, he prays. His prayer is natural to humanity. Uh, Secular people pray. In fact, every Disney movie and every visit to a Disney theme park reminds us to wish upon a star and believe in our dreams, which is really a secular way of talking about a longing for uh, the, the intuition to pray. We pray when, when a diagnosis disrupts our family. We pray when we're stretched thin. We pray when the career opportunity or the relational opportunity we've been seeking suddenly comes into view. We, we pray. About 15 years ago, my daughter, I caught my daughter praying. She was about three or four years old. I can't really remember w whether she was three or four, but uh, she was praying. I was working from home, and I'd gone into the kitchen to get a drink. And as I crossed through the place where she was praying with her sister, I overheard her praying. And she, she was praying. She said, Jesus, please help Papa. And I stopped in my tracks. I thought, oh, my gosh, my child is a spiritual giant. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so anyway, then I, I went back to work. And then I came back the next time. You know, my ears were sort of attuned differently. Went back into the kitchen. And again, you, again, she was praying for me. Uh, and, and, and she said, uh, she said, Jesus, please, please help Papa. I was like, break your heart, right? Here's, here's my little girl, and she's interceding for me. And I had all those warm, fuzzy dad feelings that we get sometimes, right? And then uh, I, I continued to listen, and she said, Jesus, please help Papa to listen to Malaya, which is her name. Ah, <laughs> I think most of our prayers can be like that. Uh, it seems like we're praying because we're trying to get something 
or get somewhere. We're, we're praying because we want health. We're praying because we want a job. We're praying because we want connection, because we want reconciliation. We're praying because we want to get relational things like, like Papa's attention. Or we're praying because we want uh, things like friendship or love, or we're praying for stability. We, we're praying for spiritual things because we, we long for the hungers inside of us to be filled uh, with Jesus, with God's presence. We long for, we pray for justice, we pray for mercy, we pray for forgiveness, we pray for beauty. We pray for our world, which seems to be going crazy. And here's what I noticed. That's, I don't think it's wrong to pray for those things. Um, but here's what I notice about them. When we pray like we're trying to get something, like we're trying to grasp something and get something, prayer can become just a little bit stressful, right? Uh, it, it can feel like we're grasping onto a rope and trying to, to ascend and feeling the overwhelming weight of the gap between what we're trying to get and where we are. And so in light of that, now I want us to pay attention to Paul's prayer here in Ephesians 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, where he says, Blessed be God! the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before Him in love. He destined us for adoption as His children in Jesus Christ. Uh, he, he, um, uh, he destined us for adoption. In Him we have redemption by His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. He made to, known to us the mystery of his will. In Christ, we've obtained an inheritance according to the good pleasure of his will who accomplishes everything according to his plan and purpose. So that we who are the, in him, we've been marked and sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? So listen, the way that this prayer just begins and overflows. Did you notice in this whole uh, 10 verses, there isn't a single request? There's only really two elements in this part of Paul's prayer. The first is elaborate praise and celebration of what God has already done. And then reflection on why God is so generous. And, and here's what I notice: If this prayer, this part of this prayer, is not the prayer of someone who's trying to get something. It's not the prayer of someone who's trying to get something. It's the prayer of someone who already has something. In fact, it's not just the prayer of somebody who already has something. This is the prayer of someone who already has everything. Notice, notice what's included in this prayer. There's relational intimacy. How many of us pray for relational intimacy? It's here. It's in this prayer. Thank you, Lord. You've given us this. It's, it's, there's blessing. How many of us pray and long for blessing? There's perspective on life. There's inheritance. There's forgiveness. There's identity. This prayer just sort of spills over itself in elaborate praise for God because what God has already done in Jesus. And in the original language, this is all in one sentence, one thought that just is expressed in this kind of symphonic ecstasy. So why is, why is Paul praying like this? Why, why pray in this way? Um, as he writes, the way Paul describes himself 
is as an ambassador in chains. That's helpful to remember. In other words, Paul isn't praying in this elaborate praise, overspilling celebration of what God has done. He's not praying like this because he's having a particularly good day. Paul is praying like this because he's discovered a different way, a different why to pray. Paul isn't coming to prayer because he's trying to get something. If you ask Paul, Paul, why do we pray? Why should we pray? He's not going to say so that we can ask God for what we need, so we can get, go to God to get what we need for today. Paul would say, we, go to, we pray because of the outlandish generosity that we've already received from God. We don't pray to get, we pray because God has already been so generous. God has already been so generous. He's already done so much. So because of who God is, because of God's generosity, turn to Him in prayer. Celebrate Him in prayer. Now, uh, if, this is, if this is the truth and, and God has been so generous to us in Jesus, then it doesn't just change why we pray, but it also changes what we pray. It changes the content of our prayers. Let me give us an example. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you feel more anxious about something? You're praying about something important, and, you, and after you're done praying, you feel more anxious about it than you did when you started? Does that ever happen to anybody? Uh, it certainly happened to me. <laughs> you know, I, I, I did this experiment a, a couple of weeks ago where I, I reread some old prayer journals. I wrote my prayers out longhand, and here's what I noticed. It was shocking to discover how much of my prayers consisted of me rehearsing the things I was anxious about. Consisted of me rehearsing the, th the gaps between what I longed for and what I was experiencing. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I believe to my toes that we have to bring God what is in us, not that some idea about what ought to be in us. I think God longs to hear our desires and longs to hear our, 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 us bring to him the truth of where we are. So, but I couldn't help but notice how much of my prayers were, were rehearsing my anxieties. For example, I wanted so much in those days for deeper peace, but what I was praying was my anxiety. I wanted hope, but what I prayed was my despair. I wanted a co connection, but I prayed my suspicions about people. And I don't think I'm alone in that. In fact, there is a way of praying where what we're doing is we're rehearsing our, our, our anxieties, we're rehearsing our fears, and we're not paying attention to the generous character, love, and compassion of God. Before we pray, God's posture to you is mercy and blessing. Did you know that? Before you pray, God's posture towards you is mercy and blessing. And so, in other words, when we pray, we don't have to go to God to get, to get God to uncross his arms, to, get, to pay attention to our needs. God already knows what we need. His posture towards you is love and mercy and blessing. And if we recognize that, maybe we will pray differently. See, the simple change in perspective frees us from the restlessness that we sometimes bring to prayer. Instead of striving in prayer, have you ever done this? Uh, have you ever prayed for something, you didn't get it, 
And so what you did next was you prayed harder and louder all the time, right? And, and, and what does that maybe suggest about our understanding of who God is and what God is like? God, clearly you're not paying attention. Let me pray, lo- let me pray louder. Uh, uh, a few years ago, I'm going to tell lots of stories about my daughter uh, today. A couple of years ago, I was, I was driving with my daughter. She, she, was, she was still young, and she was, she's a prayer. Uh, the part about her being a spiritual giant was, you know, Papa Pride. She isn't, but she does love to pray, and she has her whole life. And she's a little bit older than three, and we're driving, and I had a really bad headache. And um, I said... I said, Malaya, would you, would you pray for Papa's headache to go away? And so she did, you know, simple, simple prayer. She's, Jesus, please, pill, please heal Papa's headache and make his headache go away. Amen. And, uh, and then she asked, does your headache feel any better? I said, I said no, it doesn't pray. It doesn't, it doesn't feel any better right now. And so, she's, so she, she, she said, okay. Jesus, please. You know, she, she it's just kind of, you know, you just feel the striving. I said, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. It's totally fine. We can pray again. Let's, let's, go, let's go ahead and do that. But don't strive. Jesus knows what you need. Jesus knows what I need. Let's just trust that he's good and loving. And so we don't have to strive. So she took a deep breath and she said, okay. And she prayed again. And then she asked, does your head feel better? And I, I looked in the rear view mirror with uh, tears welling up in my eyes, and I said, yeah, actually, yeah, it does. See, God is generous. God knows what we need. God is loving. God's character is good. And if we don't strive, what we can do is instead of trying to convince God to act, we can confess God's character. Instead of rehearsing our fears, we can release ourselves in freedom. God is good. Now, now I have to kind of change course a little bit here, and we have to deal with a, with a, a pastoral reality in, about prayer. Because I imagine, that's been true for you and it's been true for me, that you prayed hard for something that was really important to you and you didn't get it. Has that ever happened to you? Pray, and, and it felt like God didn't answer. It felt like God wasn't there. It felt like God was ignoring you. And, and, and I wonder if you felt disillusioned or disappointed or, or even despairing. And here's what I want you, here's what I want us to, to, to see and to reflect on in this, in this passage and in this prayer. Did you notice verse 7? Look at verse 7 again. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our, tresp- of our trespasses according to the riches of God's grace, which he freely lavished upon us in the one he loves. The richness of God's grace freely given to us when we are disappointed, when we are disillusioned, when we long for something in prayer, we bring it before God and we don't get it. Here's what I want us to consider. God is closer to you in those moments than you know. And you are closer to God in those moments than you know. Because the riches of God's grace and the redemption that we have and the forgiveness and the freedom that we have in God comes to us at a great price. 
It's Jesus's anguished, seemingly unanswered prayers. It's in Jesus's anguished, seemingly unanswered prayers. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In which we receive God's unconditional love. God stretched his own flesh between heaven and earth to reconcile earth and heaven. And Jesus knows what it's like to feel the stony silence of heaven after bringing before God the thing that was the most important of his heart. And if Jesus knows what that's like, and Jesus stretched his own flesh between heaven and earth, then it reflects that when we have those moments, we can relate to Jesus and we can relate to the character of God. God is closer to you in those moments than you know. God is present. Our experience, we have experienced the truth of Proverbs 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but in Jesus, there is love to soothe a sorrowing heart. And so when we pray, what we pray, when we pray, and how we, we can rest our heart in the love of God, even when it hurts, even when we're sorrowful, even when we grieve. Now, now, how do we do that? How do we pray? How do we rest our hearts in God's love? Last daughter story, I promise. Uh, when my daughter was a toddler, we used to take her. We live in New York City, so we don't, she didn't get a chance to play out in environments like this. We took her to playgrounds to play, and, and um, she loved to pray. She didn't love to take physical risks. Uh, my younger daughter loved to take physical risks. Her mission in life seemed to be to launch herself off of high precipices. Does, you have no children like that? Uh, any of us? Okay, right? That was my younger daughter. My older daughter, she was very cautious about things involving physical risks. And when she was learning to climb up the rope ladder at the playground, you know, I would, stay, I would be right behind her. And she would get on it, and she really wanted to climb it. She'd get on it, and she'd She'd go up and she would, she would freeze in fear. And I, I would put my hand on her back and I would say, it's okay, Papa's got you, it's okay. And then, you know, she'd feel encouraged and she'd, she'd take the next step and it's okay. You know, I'd say, it's okay, Papa's got you, it's okay. And she'd make, she'd make it all the way up and then we'd celebrate, we'd be excited. Well, several months later, she's, she's doing all kinds of things, right? She's overcome her fear, and, uh, and she's climbing this, you know, elaborate death machine, whatever it is in the playground that she's, she's climbing up, and, uh, and she's, she's, you know, bringing her body up this, this thing. And I noticed that her mouth is moving. And I was curious, so I, I sort of, you know, snuck over to within earshot, you know, not too close because I wanted to give her space. And I noticed she would get to a scary part of the things she's climbing up, and she would say, it's okay. Papa's got you. And then she'd reach up, and she'd take the next step. And then she'd say, it's okay. Papa's got you. And she'd take the next step. Now, did I have her? In one, really, in one very real sense, no. <laughs> Like she could have, she could have let go. She could have fallen. She could have, she could have gotten hurt. But in a more important sense, 
I absolutely had her. Because even if she had fallen, even if she'd gotten hurt, fell down, gotten a bruise or a bump or a scrape, I would have been there, rushed over and picked her up. You know, bumps and scrapes and bruises and breaks, that's, that's part of childhood. That's part of growing up. That's, that's part of life in a fallen and broken world. I absolutely had her. Does God have you? But when you're afraid, when you're disappointed, when you're hurt, when you're scared, when you're longing, in, a cert, in an uncertain and unjust and scary word, world, we are, we're going to face heartbreak. Uh, we're going to grieve, we're going to rage, we're going to worry. But what Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 says is, Papa's got you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's chosen us in Christ before. Papa's got you. Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 anchors our prayer in the story of God. And so when we wrestle or cry or rage, we find ourselves held in the powerful arms of God, the generous arms of God. And as we pray, we can rest into God's generous arms, the same arms that have blessed and chosen and bled on our behalf. So this week, I want to encourage you to pray Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 every day. Just pray it every day. Memorize parts of it as you pray, if not the whole thing. And let these images of God's blessing and forgiveness and identity and filling with the Spirit into your imagination. You know, this, this prayer from Ephesians uh, changed my life. When, uh, when, when ministry at, at church and challenges at work and a loss in my family all seemed to happen at the same time, this was the prayer I would pray. Someone encouraged me. And I didn't come up with it because I'm that smart. Somebody encouraged me. They said, here, pray this. And so in the midst of grief and in the midst of struggle, in the midst of stress, I'd pray, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And this prayer became this place where over and over again, as things intensified in some of these places, and I was called upon to offer leadership in the midst of feelings of, of, of great vulnerability and scare, I, I began to be able to say, not, oh my gosh, this situation is terrible, but God is generous. Things are hard, God is generous. Things are difficult, God is generous. I am grieving, God is generous. And it changed me, and it helped me to stay connected to God, and it helped me to stay connected to myself, and it helped me to stay connected to others. Have you struggled in prayer? If you've ever struggled in prayer and it feels like you're climbing a rope, here's what this passage says. It says you don't have to strive anymore. God says that hope and life and blessedness is already yours. It's already available to you. Amen.